0: everybody, this is Sean Harwell. You're listening to the Never Heard of It Podcast once again. Thank you for coming, and today I am joined, as always, by Bahubali himself. Craig Moorhead.
1: That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, thank you for joining us for this mini-episode where we talk about things that uh, are going on currently, that are not hiding from view. Nope. Uh, if you're wondering where you can uh, interact with us, uh, you can find us on the internet, on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Twitter, we are at NeverPodcast. Uh, on the internets, we are NeverHeardPodcast.com. We're out there. You can find us. You can find us on iTunes and even leave a review and, uh, and subscribe, which would be cool.
0: Speaking, Speaking of I- iTunes, Craig... I don't know. Maybe you can confirm this for me. I was checking out the Apple podcast Mm -hmm. app the other day. And I suspect if you're using that to listen to our show, you're doing it wrong because I could not figure out how to display the individual episode artwork on that app. So just, just so you know, if you're using that and you didn't know, man, we do artwork for every single episode and some of it's pretty cool looking, some of it's really funny, some of it's oh, bloody yeah. and gross, some of it's just straight mm-hmm. up pornography. So uh, find yourself an, another app that, that will show those things, and uh, they're out there. There's no shortage of them. That's true.
1: That. that has been a problem, and I don't know that there is a solution, because I don't know of any podcast that has separate images for every podcast that I see when I use iTunes. iTunes is the one I normally use. Oh, they're out there. So I've been depriving myself of those mm. images.
0: Mm. It's very mm, sad. Mm, mm. Well, Craig's going to resolve that, and you should too. But either way, we're just happy to have you listen. Yeah, and like he said, we're just going to jump into a bunch of different news here today and just talk, talk about the state of the world. And I think we should start just by saying, thank God, no writers, guild strike. I'm um, very happy, obviously, for a number of reasons, but mostly just to not have a stoppage of work mm-hmm. for anybody. Um, That's good. I don't have anything else to add to that, really. Honestly, if you want to know more, you can call me. But other than that, we'll just move on and, and say thank you. <laughs> this actually kind of relates to the business and the negotiations, probably. I read recently, and this is coming from techspot.com, that there was a survey by the digital consumer people uh, there's some consulting firm. They asked 26,000 consumers, not just in America, 26 countries, how they prefer to consume their TV content. Would you believe, and I, and I suspect you will, 23%, only 23% say now they prefer to use their TV as opposed to any other device. 23%. Wow. How does that sit with you? And I should point out, look, just today, when we're recording this, Hulu announced and launched the beta of their live TV streaming option, which is competing with the likes of Sling TV and PlayStation View and a few others. So clearly the cord is being cut in a lot of places, but they're not watching on a TV. That was a bit surprising to me. How do you feel? Mm-hmm. What do you prefer to watch on
1: i have the largest tv that i can afford
0: what are you looking at about 13 inch things on 13 inch zenith
1: it's a 13 inch black and white (laughs) because those are analog Mm -hmm. and it has a different quality yeah oh yeah so it's a little warmer it's like
0: an lp it's like a nice lp
1: so yeah i like to watch things big i like to watch movies as much as possible over almost anything else and and really a lot of tv is movies now oh yeah so yeah, so I like to be able to watch something big. Hopefully I will have a projector at some point in the not too distant future and I'll be able to watch things even bigger and my failing eyesight won't uh, bother me so badly. But it doesn't surprise me. Um and I used to feel very depressed about the fact that that was happening. Uh I, I I'm surprised that, that that yeah, that the that the percentage is that small. But man, it is I can understand. It's very easy. It's very easy to watch things that way because you can watch them anywhere you want. If you're a kid in the house and your parents want to watch some boring old cop procedural on broadcast TV and you want to watch something different, you're going to go up with your iPad up in your room and watch that if you have one, you know?
0: I think that well, that's a good point because I think, you know, instead of having a TV in every room, like, you know, when we were growing up, yeah, I would escape to my room and I inherited the big... Gigantic yeah. wooden box TV <laughs> that we had um, for my room because we got a slightly better, but at least smaller in bulk TV for our mm-hmm. family room. But uh, right. now, like, I, I don't even think that would cross a kid's mind. I'll just go upstairs yeah. with my iPad or my Kindle Fire, these things that cost significantly less than a TV even today, and retreat to that yeah. world of YouTube, <laughs> for starters, and then, yeah, everywhere right. else where they're, they're be watching TV. But I do, yeah, it, it is kind of interesting to see this number go up to that degree. I mean, it says 42% yeah. even just say they would prefer to watch on their laptop or desktop. So it's not even like a mobile device, you know? <laughs> so you're still, f- yeah. feels like you're just kind of sitting at a desk possibly for part of that. Um Or with this hot machine on your lap, but um the production value of t v has probably never been better, and yet people have never been watching it on more smaller screens than they are right now <laughs>
1: that's true uh and it's funny i mean i don't feel I don't feel the same disturbance that I feel when when it's people talking about like not going to movie theaters to watch movies. Mm-hmm. Like like that's still something that bothers me. It still bothers me that that you know almost zero movies are being shot on film. Like that bothers me. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like dividing up the TV audience for some reason, I'm like, oh sure, watch it on your phone. Uh, I, I I don't know exactly
0: why. Do you think it has anything to do with the sh- sheer number of TV shows that are available? Because I you know maybe I think in in my case. I would probably say the same about music at this point. Like, it doesn't bother me to listen to anything on Spotify or YouTube or or wherever. Um, You know, I'm paying for it on Spotify. I'm not, like, stealing it. Sure. But some of that is just because of the sheer number of things that are out there, it it is honestly easier to access it that way. Um, Yeah. And maybe maybe there's some correlation between that and the way people are watching TV. It's not as big of a deal because it's just easy to access. You know, you've got... I will say this about the writer's strike and tie this all back together. I did... I had a funny conversation last week where I was talking to a guy who said, you know, honestly, I will say, if there is a hiatus, at least I'll be able to catch up on some of the TV I haven't watched. I was like, well, shit, that's a good way of looking at a bright side. Anyway.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that kind of strikes me is even with all this, I mean, you know, so what was it back in the 50s? uh, People who were making movies got nervous about TV stealing their audience. And, uh, you know, and I would say now, like, the more and more options are being given to this audience. And yet, I mean, really, what the money movies are pulling in doesn't look too bad still. No. And so, in a way, I kind of feel like, I feel like, great. Everybody consume however you want. Like, I, my biggest thing is i, I want to make sure movie movie theaters never go away because that would be really depressing to me yeah but but yeah i mean as long as everything's kind of healthy i feel like i feel like everybody still wants a movie experience um you know at some point but they also want to exactly there's so much stuff to watch that you need to be able to like have a lot of different ways to consume it so craig yeah
0: i just had a holy shit moment oh no what if TV shows were projected in theaters?
1: Yeah, well, for instance, whenever the grand finale of Game of Thrones comes around, buy a ticket. Go watch it with a huge audience. Yeah. That would be
0: nuts. Even if you could go every week and watch it on a huge screen with an audience. Let's say maybe the ticket is not nine bucks. It's seven bucks. It's five bucks. I sure. gu- I guarantee they would get people that would do that.
1: Yeah, well, it'd have to, it would have to be the right show. Yeah. But yeah.
0: The problem is, uh, you'd get people like me who, if I could do that, I'm probably not going to subscribe to some of these places, <laughs> to these channels. Right. I'll just go watch it. Well, I don't know. Every week. What that if you could
1: subscribe to the event?
0: Yeah. I know what if it was? What that.
1: if it was just a part of the Netflix package?
0: Ah, that'd be awesome.
1: And see, this is kind of what I was talking about. when We were talking, had our great yes. talk with Brian Crane a few episodes ago.
0: Man, we were where Netflix up with like could
1: could create these kind of things.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Um that'd be interesting I'd love to see Game of Thrones on big screen or something like the Crown, yeah. which I haven't watched this but Breaking Bad would have been a blast to see we'll make this happen especially if we'll like, make this happen
1: yeah if if the Game of Thrones finale was like a two and a half hour, just like they just blew all the doors off that'd be in, that'd be pretty intense you' watch it at theater
0: I mean I already feel like some of this stuff is as intense. I mean, again, the production value is there, even though it's smaller. And it feels like they would make so much money off of that. Hmm. Yeah. There's probably some deal in place that prevents that kind of stuff. We'll we'll get to the bottom of this at some point. I'm sure we will. Let's stay at the movie theater, though, while we're there. Because we got to talk about... I didn't even know this. You pointed this out to me today. And this is Wednesday following the weekend of April 30th.
1: Yeah. So I was going over... The box office receipts for the last weekend to see how much money i made off of my movie the fate of the furious mm-hmm.
0: you made about and, 20 million congrats
1: oh yeah no I, we did really well thank you it was you, a 48
0: percent drop though
1: but you know what i'm i'm happy with it i'm happy with it <laughs> i feel like we crossed the you're gonna make your money back yeah million dollar mark yeah in 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 anyway no um so anyway i'm, I'm but i'm looking at it and uh yeah third on the list is a movie called Bahu Bali Two: The Conclusion. Now, it might surprise you to know that I was not aware there was a Bahu Bali One, which, by the way, is is a is a movie. I thought you were a big fan. And is finger. subtitled The Beginning. Mm-hmm. So, totally makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, so this movie came in number three here in the U.S. this past weekend. I had never heard of it before. Uh, I believe it's out of India. Yep. And I watched the trailer, Sean, as you did yourself, mm-hmm. to try and figure out, you know, why, how, how did it pull in that much money with with nothing? How did it end up with, like, a third? And I've never heard of this in my life. Um, and I, I would say, having watched the trailer, even this being a sequel that I haven't seen the first movie to, i would go watch this movie <laughs> in absolutely. theater.
0: absolutely um, it looks a crazy yeah i mean i was i think i told you like my first thought that came to mind was like this is like a Zack snyder movie like it feels like 300 mm-hmm. meets some crazy lord of the ring in a part of the world that i'm not familiar with at all and oh, yeah. uh there's a lot of cool stuff i mean production value looks amazing we'll put a link to the trailer and uh you gotta see that and you know we discussed maybe we'll try to watch one of you know the first or the second one at some point for this show I think it'd be a lot of fun I mean clearly they're working with a budget so I'm guessing the first one was a big hit uh, at least on the mm-hmm. homeland, and you know, word was out there, and this was like an event movie that people were looking forward to. But well, what's absolutely insane, and like yeah, third place, like this, you know, these days, yeah, yeah, who knows what that means? Like you could make five million bucks and come in third place some weekends. Uh, they made That's over right. ten million dollars, four hundred and twenty-five screens. That's insane. Uh, to give you a comparison, oh yeah, Fate of the Furious made nineteen million dollars, so almost double on four thousand screens. Now granted it's been out for three weeks, but four thousand screens compared to four hundred and twenty five screens, you do the math. It made on average twenty-four thousand dollars per theater. That is insane and substantial. And uh I like it. I mean I think it's great. I mean you know, there should be movies that cater to anybody living in this country. And clearly those people came out and supported this thing. And so I think you'll see more of that. I guarantee there's going to be, this is not the conclusion to the Bahubali Bali series, despite what the title says. I mean, like, I would have yeah. to imagine they'll do something else to continue that. Cause that, that's just super, super impressive. I mean it's it's ahead of Beauty and the Beast and and a ton of these movies that smurfs the lost village and stuff that's been out there big franchises um,
1: well I mean let's just say it, it opened it opened ahead of uh it, I mean it opened above a basically a Tom Hanks movie a Tom Hanks that was starring Emma Watson I mean yeah. you know it's it's not a, an action thriller maybe it didn't grab people or or, or whatever but still yeah, like Those are
0: very notable Which, people. And- yeah, The Circle made half of its budget back, so that ain't bad. And it was on 3,000 yeah, no, screens, but th- still 3,000 screens compared to 425. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's crazy. Yeah. So I, I suspect there will be a lot of ink spilled over this movie and and this particular box office receipt. And we'll have to keep an eye on that and see how it does the next couple of weeks. And also surprised to see that uh, the movie How to Be a Latin Lover was came in second i didn't know much about this movie i hadn't seen a trailer or anything but this is directed by ken marino who we talked about in bad milo that episode with brian o'connell and yeah yeah you got a guy named eugenio derbez who i apologize i just i'm not familiar with that actor at all so obviously a huge opening for him 14 million dollars but i did think it was interesting that rob lowe rob cordry and Rob Riggle are all in this so it's like all the Robs in Hollywood got in on this thing (laughs)
1: Hollywood Robs
0: yeah they robbed the box office didn't they what they didn't but that's awesome Mm -hmm. I mean that's a that's a great opening for that movie so very surprising weekend at the box office thank God we didn't do predictions like we used to because we would have been absolutely destroyed like everybody else
1: yeah no I need my self esteem
0: Well, this might give you some self-esteem. Oh. Because I think this is something to be optimistic about for everybody. Yeah. It looks like uh, De Palma is getting back into the director's chair and is going to make a thriller. Well, it's hot off the presses. This is from uh, Variety today. And uh, yeah, it looks like he's making a movie called Domino. This is a thriller that's going to star, speaking of Game of Thrones, Nikolai Waldo, Jamie Lannister, basically, and Christina Hendricks from Mad Men and Drive. And listen to this plot this sounds kind of cool this is of course they got to say a contemporary high voltage thriller (laughs) screw all that that means nothing (laughs) um yeah so jamie lannister plays a danish cop who goes rogue with the help of a fellow police officer played by hendrix uh to track down a killer after his partner is murdered in copenhagen that that all sounds somewhat familiar right that's within the realm of every police movie you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, but then you got this little bit while Europe is being targeted by terrorists. So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And what they don't know is that the assailant they are chasing works for the CIA and is on the trail of ISIS. Um, so obviously they're going to get into some bigger kind of global politics, you know, hot topic issues there. And man, I, I, I love yeah. the idea of De Palma sinking his teeth into something like that. Um, they're throwing out the French connection uh, in, in their quotes here, so that ain't a bad thing to be uh, going after. And, man, I hope this is uh, it, something that does happen in, in a big way, and I hope, it's, I hope it's as awesome as it seems like it could be.
1: Me too. I mean, that's, uh, that's definitely that sort of like over-the-top twistiness that he does really well so man yeah i oh man i would love to have some more brian de palma movies
0: yeah i was trying to remember what is the last one that he did
1: was the last one he did called passion let me look at this
0: you're right yep and that was 2012 i thought it redacted that's the last one i've seen um i didn't see passion um it says he's in pre-production on something called lights out um so we'll see if that actually happens and beats this other one to the theater or if domino which i'm sure they'll change the title possibly um well even lights out
1: that was already a movie
0: oh yeah what's going on Just he's like from t- <laughs> last
1: year yeah
0: somebody get to follow a new title guy
1: yeah my next movie is guardians of the galaxy 2 <laughs> uh,
0: yeah um mm. well but that that's exciting i thought that was pretty awesome and uh, i want to talk about um i just want to throw two trailers out there that i think are worth checking out today i don't know if you had a chance or not but we'll we'll link to these as well the first is um there was a big sundance movie called the big hit which excuse me the big hit that's another movie right um the big sick totally different uh camille nanjiani from silicon valley also from bad milo and um who else we got here zoe kazan Ray Romano and Holly Hunter are in this thing and both look pretty good and really nice good solid indie I hate saying romantic comedy but they're they're throwing that out here heavily in the, in the promos for it and uh, on that front it looks really good I know Apatow is kind of attached to this as a producer and nice. certainly that feels uh, within his wheelhouse and directed by Michael Showalter so lots of familiar good names there and yeah i'm excited about that That looks good
1: that does yeah I can't wait to check that out
0: and i think it's also got some amazon money behind it too so again they're pushing into the film world heavily Last one is really, really interesting-looking documentary from the director of Hoop Dreams. Did you ever see Hoop Dreams, Craig T. Moorhead? I did see
1: Hoop Dreams. That was quite a movie. Oh, my
0: gosh, yeah. Uh, what a. I mean, it's like a devastating but amazing, amazing film if you haven't seen that one. It's another one called Stevie, which I saw, which was pretty good. This yeah. is the story, and I knew nothing about this, but apparently one of the only banks... That was brought up for on federal charges after the collapse um, in the late 2000s was a small bank called Abacus Bank, uh, which mainly exists in Chinatown in New York and services uh, Chinese immigrants. And the the documentary looks at this is a f- small, very small family-owned bank, and it's sort of that American dream turned into a nightmare kind of thing where they're saying we're innocent of the charges that the federal government brought against us. And not only that, you know, look at the, you know, completely impossible to ignore mountain of evidence of these much larger banks doing far worse. So I, it looks like that's the kind of, I mean, talking about being in the moment and important, it feels like this should have a lot of heat to it. And I bet we'll be hearing more from that, especially when I think it's coming to Netflix. I'm not positive on that, but, uh, go seek that out. If you haven't already, it's a great trailer. Great trailer. Great, great, great trailer. Boom, Craig.
1: Boom. I think we covered everything.
0: I think we did too. Um, last thing I want to mention is next week we are talking to finally, guys, I know you've been complaining about the sausage party. We, we have a female guest, <laughs> a lovely woman by the name of Mary Ratliff, who is uh, a fellow podcaster and independent filmmaker. And uh, she talked about a, uh, a movie called Attack the Gas Station, which was a Korean movie from, I want to say, '99, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, and yeah. That's, that, that one's a little difficult to find. You got to do some digging. It, it is on YouTube and comes and goes on YouTube. But, um, really interesting one i think a lot of people might find stuff to like in that one and that'll be a fun episode uh so come back and check that out
1: for sure man so sean you got any uh last words for us tonight
0: i do oh supposedly uh quentin tarantino can't pronounce Hari Keitel's last name he calls him keetel i love that Uh, Yeah, I I think now you can go to sleep and have a wonderful night. That'll just make you happy for the rest of the day.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to (laughs) think on that. Yeah, for sure.
0: Good night, Mr. Kittle.